chance, but because this is where God has planned for you to be. He's planned for you to be here today, and I'm excited because I get to be the instrument that God uses to speak to your life. I mean, I'm nobody special, but for some reason, in the eternal time of God, he said, I'm going to use Jose to talk to the young people on this Wednesday night for some reason. So I pray, this is my prayer for you guys, I pray that God open up your heart, that he open up your mind, and that you receive what God has for you tonight. And can I tell you that as I was getting ready to speak to you guys, I was nervous. Y'all think because y'all like, you know, much younger than me, I mean, nah, nah, I was nervous. Because the bar is set pretty high here. You guys have some great speakers. And I'm like, I got to bring it. <laughs> But it wasn't just the sense of I got to bring it, like I got to be, I got to do something special. I got to bring something that they receive, that they understand. And so my prayer is that you receive what God has for you. And that when you leave this place, you leave completely different than the way you walked in. Changed. Because God's word is not just to entertain you. We have some, pre I've heard some preachers that tell some stories the craziest thing I ever heard is that there's a preacher that can tell a cat story that will make a dog cry. I mean, for you to tell a cat story to make a dog cry is like, why does a dog care about a cat? Because there's some preachers that can just preach up a storm. And you leave that place, woo, lit. But do you leave transformed? Do you leave changed from the inside out? Was it more than just a good time and a holler? Or did that word really change who you are? And it can and it will, but you have to make that choice. When you leave this place, you have to take that word and you have to apply it to your life. Just like anything else. You can be good at something, but if you don't practice it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be great at it. It doesn't mean that you're going to reach your full potential. So the word of God has a bunch of potential for you. But if you don't apply it in your life and all you do is listen to it and you never practice it, then you'll never see it fulfilled in your life. So today, my prayer is that you take the word, you go home today, you think about it, you digest it. I mean, it's inside of you. You're making something else out of it. Something that's going to be a blessing to you every single day. And so, so, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you, that you, above all things and above everyone, that you be glorified. Father God, you are already in this place. We just want to thank you for allowing us to be in this place with you. For allowing us to be in your presence. For allowing us to lift up our hands and worship you, Father God. And tell you how beautiful you are. And how awesome you are. Because we're not worthy. We are only in this place because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And we're so thankful, Father God. We're so thankful. So, Father, have your way. Holy Spirit, speak to your young people and let them leave transformed. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, we've been talking about are we there yet? Are we there yet? That lets me know that are we there yet? That means that we should be going someplace. And when I thought, when I first heard the sermon series, are we there yet? I don't know. For some reason, I thought about a bunch of comedy, corny comedy movies, you know? Uh, and that was the only thing that came to my mind. But as we started talking about the sermon series, man, it started to make sense. It started to make so much sense because 
God's timing is perfect. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but it's perfect. I want to tell you that God is never early, that he's never late, but he's always right on time. And if you feel like he's late, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so are we there yet? So we've been using a, a particular verse. This whole sermon has been around a, a certain verse that we've really been using to build off of this idea of are we there yet. And that verse has been Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and on. And the person who's speaking is someone named Paul. You guys have heard Paul a lot of times, right? Paul, 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 Paul. The Apostle Paul. And so Paul is saying in this place, he's saying, brothers and sisters, and he's writing this letter. It's a letter. He's writing a letter to this church in Philippi. That's what it's called, Philippi. And he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, I haven't reached it yet. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't, I have, I don't have it yet. But one thing I do, I forget what's behind. I forget everything that I've, everything I've gone through, everything that I've lost, I forget. I leave it alone. And he says, leaving behind, straining toward what is ahead. So I forget about what, what happened to me, what they did to me, what I lost, what I had and I don't longer have. I forget about that, but I keep moving forward. And he says, I press on toward the goal. Are we there yet? To win the prize for which God has called me heaven forward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, listen, we, we, we're in this race. We're in this battle. We're doing all this stuff. And Paul is an old guy at this point. Paul is old. As he's writing this, he's an old guy. He started his ministry really young. But when he's writing this, he's locked up. Because the governments had locked him up. The people wanted to kill him where he was at. So they, they put him away. And he's saying, I've been doing this for a long time. But I want to let you know, I still haven't, I still haven't fully achieved it yet. But he says, even though I haven't achieved it yet, I continue to press forward. I continue to move forward. And so he's encouraging these people in Philippi. He's saying, listen, I haven't done it yet. And I've been doing it for years. So don't you think that you got it yet because you're not there yet. But continue to move forward. You're not there yet. You're not where God has called you to be yet. You're not in the blessing that you've been waiting for. People might be still hurting you, still talking bad about you. You might still feel a certain kind of way. You haven't reached it yet. But what God is telling you is to press on. He's telling you move forward. He's saying, listen, it happens. This is the price that we pay. But what awaits us, what's waiting for you is so much better than what you've left behind. What God has for you is so much better than what people have been talking about. What God has in store for you is so much more beautiful than the ugliness you might see around you right now. So although you don't see it, although you can't feel it, press on. Don't quit. Because what we're waiting for, what we're fighting for, what we're striving for is eternal. It's not a temporary thing. We live in a place where, where everything has to feel good in the moment. If it don't feel good to me right away, I don't want it. If I don't get what I want right away, I move on. But, but God doesn't work that way. 
It doesn't work that way. It's not in your timing. It's in God's timing. And what did I say before? God is never late and he's never early. He's right on time. If he gives you the blessing too early, you might not be ready for it. If he gives it to you too late, you might walk away. So he gives it to you right on time. But as you're waiting, you need to press forward and keep believing. You're not there yet, but we're going to get there yet. We're going to get there. And so the, the first week, the first week, just to recap real quick, just in case you missed it. The first week was, are we there yet is, is the idea, but, but are we there? In order to get there, you have to recognize where you are right now. Right? Have you ever used the GPS to get someplace? And the first thing the GPS asks you after you put in the address is, where are you right now? What's your location? Where are you? When, you, when you're in the mall and you want to get to a certain store and you go to that big map that sometimes don't make sense to me even though I'm reading it, it says, you are here. So in order for you to get to whatever store you're trying to get to, to buy whatever sneakers you're trying to buy... <laughs> You need to figure out where you are first. And that's how it is in the spiritual life. That's how it is in God. In order for you to get where God is trying to take you, you have to recognize where am I right now? And so what we talked about is that where you are right now, it, 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 in order for you to do that, it takes, it takes a certain action. You have to do something. And that something can be a little bit hard. That something is looking in the mirror and asking yourself questions that nobody else can ask you. Not your mom, not your dad, not even your best friend who you might, might think they know everything about you. But there's something about you that nobody else knows. And so you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, where are you really? That's hard. It's hard for a grown man to do it. And so I'm asking someone that's still learning who they are. To look in the mirror and say, why do you do this? Why do you talk this way? Why do you say these things? And when you do that, you might not like the answer, but that's the point. Because that answer will help you realize where you are right now. So that you can get to where God wants to take you. Does that make sense? And so no one can ask those questions but you. And so... Once you ask that question, you get the answer, then, it, it, then you realize, oh, I'm, I, I do this and I talk this way because of this. Because I did this to people in the past. Or because this was done to me. That, that, that helps you really like put a finger on it. And then after you put the finger on it, you have to take another step. You have to say, no matter how I got here. Whether it was something that I did to someone or something that someone did to me, I'm going to take responsibility of that and I'm going to put it in God's hands. So even though it might have hurt me or even though I might have hurt other people, I'm going to surrender that. Because that event, whatever happened, whatever brought you to that place, whatever brought you to that brokenness or that dark place or that place where you might have felt lonely or hurt or alone, whatever brought you there, you're going to say, God, I give it to you. God, I put it in your hands so that you can turn it around and you can make it work for my good. So even though what, it may have been somebody else's, somebody else's action, but God is going to use it for your good. Second week, we talked about, okay, this is where I am. Where am I going? Where am I going? 
Okay, I understand where I am now. God is, I'm asking the question, are we there yet? But where am I going? So we talked about Abraham. We talked about how God called him out of his country, out of his people, out of his father's house. God is calling you to go somewhere where there is a blessing for you. And it might be a physical blessing, but it's also going to be a spiritual blessing. What do I mean by physical? I mean that some of you have talents and gifts that you haven't even discovered yet. You have abilities that maybe you don't even know you have yet. But God is going to use those to get you to certain places, to put you in front of certain people. God is going to open the door for you to be successful physically into a physical place. That might be a school, college. That might be a job. That's a physical place. God is taking you somewhere physically. As a church, all of us, we're going someplace physically new. We're going into a new place. We've been here and God has been blessing us in this place. But God is moving us to a much larger facility. And in that facility, there are going to come new souls. There are going to come people that have never been to church before or people that haven't been to church in a long time. And in the time that they've been away or in the time that they've never been here, you've been here receiving. You've been here growing. You've been here learning. You've been here getting better and looking more like God every time you stepped into this place. So when we get to where God is going, what he's telling you is that it's you that I'm going to use. It's you that I'm going to work through. It's you that I'm going to glorify my name through because you've been here. Because you've been faithful. Because you've been listening. Because you've been growing. It doesn't matter if you're 13, 14, 15. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you surrender your heart and all of your abilities and everything that you are so that God can glorify himself through you. When I became a youth leader for the first time, I was only about 14 years old. And I sat in a parking lot one day crying because people that I was leading were older than me. And I said, how can I lead these people? They're not going to listen to me. My mustache is just growing in right now. I'm just looking good right now. Some of these people got beards and they're walking around and they have to look to me. And so a leader came up to me and said, do you know when King David took the throne? He was young. But God called him and was with him. So I want to tell you today, you think that because you're young, that there's certain things you can't do. But God is telling you, it's not your age that I'm looking at, it's your heart. And although you might not feel ready, don't, 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 don't worry because I'm going to give you the words. You might not know what to say in the moment, but trust in me and I'm going to use you. You're going to say things that you couldn't even believe came out your mouth. You're going to walk away and say, Lord, that wasn't me. Who was that talking? That was the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And so don't let your age or your inexperience hold you back. God is saying, in your weakness, I'm strong. Don't let the, the lies of anyone, anyone hold you back from what God is trying to do in your life. Whether it's a friend, a family member, even a church leader. You speak up. You say, but God has called me. I got to talk. I said, I said today, Lord, I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to stay calm. So today we're going to talk about where we're going. How do we get there? So, so we identified where we are right now. We identified where we're going. Wherever you are, whatever brought you, we, we, we put a finger on it. 
And then we said, where you are right now, God is taking you to a new place. A new physical blessing. A new spiritual blessing. You're going to know God like you've never known him before. Experience him like you've never experienced him before. He said, but, but, but how do I get there? And so when I, when I thought about this, this, this sermon, I said, I, I need to give them tools so they know what to do as they're going to the place where our Father is calling them. There's tools that you've heard, words that you've heard time and time again. But today I'm going to tell you exactly what those words mean. And so it might seem like, why is he talking about other languages? But I, I want you to leave this place equipped, ready to do the work that God has called you to do. Because there's certain things that you can do that I can't do. There's certain people that you're going to be able to reach that I can't reach. Because you're unique. Because God made you special. Because wherever you are, God is going to use you in the place that you are. Do you understand? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so in order to get where we're going, we have to understand that, that there, there are certain modes of transportation. You can either get someplace by a car or you can get there by a, by a, a plane or a ship. It depends where you're going. So you have to use the right mode or the right thing to get where you're going. I can't go visit Eli in his house in a plane because I doubt Eli has an airplane strip in his house. I can't go by helicopter because a helicopter might not land in his backyard. I, and so I have to pick the right mode to get to his house. And so I can't decide to go to Europe and go see the Eiffel Tower by car because there's an ocean between me and Europe. So I got to take a plane. In the same way that you get to a place physically is the same way that you have to decide how do you get to a place spiritually. So how do you get where God is taking you? The answer is that to go where God wants you to go, you need to use the vehicle that he made. What do you mean, Jose? I mean that you can't do God's will the way you want to do it. And you can't accomplish things in your life the way that you want to do it. You've got to do it the way God has designed for it to be done. So one important aspect about tonight, and, and this hit me hard as I, as I was preparing for you guys, is that God is taking us to new physical blessings. God is taking us to new spiritual blessings. But Never forget that the ultimate destination that me and you are trying to reach is to be in the presence of the Father one day, face to face, next to the angels, bowing down and giving the creator of all universe worship all day long. Don't forget that this is not your home. So if you feel like a stranger sometimes, it's because you are, because you are a child of God and you have a home. And one day you and I will reach that place called heaven in the presence of our our Father. And I want to tell you right now that there is only one way to get to the Father. Only one way. The world thinks that there's a lot of different ways. And as you continue to grow, as you continue to, to meet new people, they're going to try to put new ideas in your head. As you continue to enter into new places because you're growing, because you're maturing... 
there are going to be people that have certain what we call philosophies. Certain ideologies, certain ways of thinking. And they're going to tell you, well, why do I need to go to church in order to get to heaven? Or why do I need to accept Jesus in order to get to the Father? If I'm a good person, I can get there on my own. If I do good deeds, I can get there on my own. If I don't lie, steal, or, uh, steal or cheat, I can get there on my own. I heard that Buddha is pretty good. I heard that the Muslim is pretty good. The uh, Allah is pretty good. I heard Harry Krishna is pretty good. Maybe you never heard of Harry Krishna is before, but you, you're going to hear it. Trust me, one day it's going to come out. So all these things might sound interesting to you. You might even hear the name Jehovah and say, well, I know that one. But what you have to remember is that there is only one way to the Father. There is only one way into the presence of God. And his name is Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way. And Jesus himself said it in John 14, 6. He said, I am the truth. I am the way. And I am the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. So what I want you to understand today, when you leave this place, there is a world out there that's going to try to attack who you are, what you believe in. They're going to try to make you think that there's other ways. But you need to stand firm. Remembering who you are in Christ Jesus. And you need to fight against the battles and the temptations to deny Jesus. Because there is one thing, one thing that we cannot do. And that is let the world change us. No, we need to change the world. Because it's the world that's lost. It's your friends that don't know Jesus that are lost. But you are not lost. You are not alone. You are not broken or unwhole. You are complete in Christ Jesus. And so don't let the temptations or the bullying or the ideas that are around you change who you are. No, you change the atmosphere. You change the temperature in that place. You change your surroundings because you have power. I got power. You got power. Power to change what's going on around you. So you open up your mouth and you, you don't even need to, listen, you open up your mouth and you say, Lord, you be glorified and he'll fight your battle for you. He'll fight the battle for you. You say, Father, but I feel afraid. He says, no, I'm with you. I'm walking with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because even if they leave you, I won't leave you. If the friends that you've been hanging out with that just don't think the way you think, can I tell you, you're going to survive. And not only are you going to survive, you're going to get better. Because where you're going, God is going to make you better. God is going to take you there. As you get to know him, his thoughts, his ways. And, and, and so... Where you're going, you need to understand that it's the way that, that you need to understand that at the end of everything, where we're going is into the presence of God. That's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And I want you to remember this one thing. I want you to remember that Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. So can I tell you, 
if you acknowledge Christ as your Savior in front of your friends, if you acknowledge Christ as your Savior in front of your family that might not, if you acknowledge Christ wherever you go, can I tell you that when you get to heaven, that Jesus is waiting to take you by the hand and to take you to the throne and say, Father, this is John. Father, this is Eli. Father, this is Pablo. Father, this is Janet. Wherever she was, wherever she went, she confessed my name. She proclaimed that I was her Savior. She was faithful. She was strong. She was courageous. She didn't bow down in fear, but she let me use her for my glory. Don't bow down in fear. Don't step back. Step up. Step up because he's with you and you're not alone. And you're not alone. I gotta hurry up. Man, I got six minutes. <laughs> that happened. So the answer today is so the answer today is question: how do I get there? You get there God's way. What does that mean, Jose? That means that a lot of times, wherever you're going, you want it to make sense. Because there's certain things that happen where God is taking you that don't make sense. And so we try to use what's called logic. I'm using that word because that's what was given to me. So I'm going to use another word that might make a little more sense. You want to use wisdom. Understanding. And so wisdom is a good thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that, the Bible tells us that we should look for wisdom. In Proverbs 4, it says, do not forsake wisdom. In other words, don't, don't push wisdom away because she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. So we need wisdom. But there's certain times, there's certain places that, that God takes you and he's telling you, I need you to go here. I need you to do this. I need you to say this. I need you to act this way. I need you to, to leave this. I need you to read that. I need you to stop reading that. I need you to watch this and don't watch that. I need you to talk to this person and not that person. And you're like, but it doesn't make sense. But can I tell you that you don't need it to make sense. All you need to do is trust God. And so the thing about trust is that trust is a word that we hear all the time. But God, the first step that he needs you to take in this place where he's taking you, in this new physical blessing, in this new spiritual blessing, is that God needs you to trust him. Real quick, Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, and some of you probably heard this before, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So, so what it's saying is that if I trust in God, even though it doesn't make sense right now, even though the path doesn't, isn't straight, but if I trust in him, he's going to make it straight. If I trust in him, he's going to get me where I need to go. Because the word trust, and, and I said, and this is one of the tools that I want you to walk away with. We hear the word trust all the time. You need to trust God. You need to trust his ways. You need to trust what he's saying. What does it mean to trust? And so there is a word, and, and, and so I wanted to, to, to find this word. And I need you to know that, that the Bible wasn't written in English. Did y'all know that? <laughs> no, the Bible was written in Hebrew. And there's other languages such as Greek. So we look for the Greek word. We look for the Hebrew word or the Aramaic word. And the Hebrew word for trust, there are Five, and I'm going to talk about all five because I don't got time. I only got a couple minutes left. There are five different meanings to the word trust. 
But the one that I want you to walk away with today is one say, chasa. Everybody, chasa. Chasa. And anyone listening to the podcast who speaks Hebrew said, they just done butchered my language. Chasa means to lean on someone or something. So when the Bible says trust God, it's saying to lean on God. It's saying to hold on to God. It's saying to cling to God. It's saying that you can't do it on your own, so you need to hold on to him. You need to lean on him and not yourself. You need to lean on his strength and not yours. Because there are going to be times where you're going to feel weak. There are going to be times where you feel you can't do it. But that's okay because God doesn't need you to do it on your own. In fact, he doesn't want you to do it on your own. He wants you to lean on him. Lean on him. If you're hiking with some people in a, in a campsite somewhere and you sprain your ankle, all of a sudden, you come here, puppy. Come here, Jibbe. I come by. I don't know if you know, but this is my son. <laughs> and then, so I break my ankle. I'm going to walk this way. And I can't hold this. I'm leaning on him. Walk me there. I'm lean, I got to lean on him because I can't do it on myself. So in other words, as I'm walking this way, I know I can't do it. This is God. This is me. I can't do it. The moment that I let go of him, I, all of a sudden, I'm looking stupid. But if I hold on to God, if I lean on him, he's going to get me where I need to go. I'm weak. I'm broken. But he's powerful. But he's complete. But he's holy. So you lean on God. My son can hold on my weight, by the way. That's what <laughs> you lean on him. You surrender everything. Absolutely everything. You lean on on God. So when you read that word Proverbs again, it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own, own understanding. It's like a double, it says it twice. Lean in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him. You don't need to do it. He's going to do it for you. So depend on him. Trust. Oh man, I'm running out of time. But I got to tell you something real quick about trust. Can I tell you something about trust? Can I tell you something about trust? It takes time. And so today I'm telling you trust in God. And so some of you have grown up in church hearing trust in God. But you still don't trust in God. Can I tell you why you don't trust in God? Because you don't spend time with him. Because the only time you hear his word is when you come here to church. When you come on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Sundays. But can I tell you the only way to learn to trust in God is if you speak to him on a daily basis all on your own. If you seek him all on your own. If you talk to him in those moments where you don't feel sure, where you feel weak, where they're attacking you, where they're talking bad about you, where you look on the social page and all of a sudden there's something about you that's just not true. And you trust in God. You speak to him in that moment. Don't call your best friend in that moment. Can I tell you, don't call your best friend in that moment. Can you call God first? Listen to what he wants to tell you. Because sometimes, just sometimes, unfortunately, even though my best friend means good, the first words that come out of their mouth might not be what God wants me to hear. Yeah, they're my accountability partner. And yes, God is going to use them. But I need to go to God first. So when I go to God first and he tells me something, he can use my friend to confirm what he already told me. 
Some of us have it turned around and twisted. You need accountability partners. You need people to tell you, yo, you messed up. That was wrong. This is how you're supposed to do it. You need that in your life. Make sure that those people are around you. I'm talking about good people. I'm talking about people that follow Jesus like you follow Jesus. I'm not talking about those people that you used to hang out with, that used to make you do those things you know you weren't supposed to be doing. I'm talking about those people that are helping you get to where God wants you to be. Those are your accountability partners. But those are not the first ones you run to when something's going wrong. Those are not the first ones that you need to ask for direction. The first one you need to go to is your creator. And after you talk to him, after you spill your guts to him, after you let him know how you feel and the questions you might have, then go talk to your accountability partner. And together you pray. And together you move forward. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Amen. I'm out of time. Listen. There's something that I wanted to tell you as well real quick. It says, so as you have, as you learn to trust in God, after you trust in God, after you learn to really lean on God, then you can have faith in God. How many, how many How many times have we heard the word faith in church? You have to have faith. We have to live by faith. We have to have faith in what God says. But I want to straighten out something real quick. Tool number one, you have to trust in God. Lean on him and not you. Tool number two is that you have to have faith. But what is faith? Can I tell you that faith is not what you think it is? Faith is not a feeling. Faith is an action. Faith in Hebrew, here we go again with that Hebrew word. In Hebrew, faith means to press firmly. Firmly. It means that no matter what's going on, it means that no matter if you see it or you don't see it, you will press firmly in what God has told you. So you trust in him, you lean on him. He's told you that he's going to do something in you, but you don't see it yet. And if you don't see it, you start to wonder, well, is God really talking to me? I haven't heard him say anything yet, so is he really with me? But that's where faith comes in because God told you to do something. And although you don't see it yet, you need to press forward. That's faith. That's action. That's obedience. And that's what God is asking you today. He's saying, I know you don't see it yet. I know you don't feel it sometimes, but I need you to have faith. I need you to keep praying. I need you to keep believing. I need you to keep serving. I need you to keep coming to church and listening to what I have for you and serving in church. I need you to keep calling my name every day because I'm working something in you. Faith is not a feeling. Sometimes you won't feel it. Faith is an action. You have to live it every day. You have to believe every day. You have to call on him every day. Every day. Because can I tell you something? That, that Remember I said God is never late and he's never early. Sometimes you're asking God for something. And you say, man, he hasn't, he hasn't answered my question yet. And, and yesterday, Pastor Gabby gave a great example. I loved it. He said, it's like a son who goes and asks his dad, yo, pops, can you buy me the new pair of sneakers that just dropped? And the pop says, I'm going to get it for you. Two days later, the son comes back. He said, can you buy me those sneakers? I'm going to get it for you. Another two days pass by and says, Pops, you say you're going to buy me the sneakers. Don't worry, I'm going to get it for you. A week later, the son says, Yo, Dad, you're going to buy me the shoes today? Let's go buy you those shoes. Every two days, the son would come and ask for the sneakers. Once the dad buys the sneakers, he doesn't hear from his son for weeks. Sometimes God does that to us. 
we ask God for something, and he doesn't do it right away. Why? Because he's working in the moment that you're waiting for the blessing. Because he knows if he gives it to you too early, then you walk away. But as you're waiting for it, you're having faith. You're believing. You're calling on him. You're asking him to guide you. You're asking him to show you. You're asking him to teach you. You're asking him to give. You are talking to him constantly. Constantly. And that's what God wants. He wants that in that moment as you're seeking him, as you're praying, you're getting closer to him. You're getting closer to him and you are acting in firmness, to act in firmness, to have faith, to not bow down, to not give up, but to move forward in the promises that God has given you. Not to quit, not to bow down, not to move backwards, but to move forward. Forward in what God has for you. Listen, the last thing you need to know is we need to learn the pace of God so that we can match it as he paves the way for us. That's a long point. We need to learn the pace of God so we can match it as he paves the way. In other words, God is not in a rush. You are, but he's not. The Bible says that one day is like a thousand years for the Lord. And a thousand years is like one day. But in that time, the Bible says that everything is made beautiful in its time. In its time. So what you need to do is, in the time that you're waiting for the Lord to take you to the place where he has designed you to be, is that you need to ask his Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask his Holy Spirit to make his ways clear to you. Because the third tool that I want to leave you with, the first one was trust. The second one is faith. The last one is learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because there are things that you're not going to be able to understand on your own. And like I said, things are not going to make sense. Because it's God doing it. But the Bible says... And he tells us that no one knows the spirit of a man except the spirit of that man. And what God is doing are spiritual things. And he talks to us in spiritual ways. So you can't do it on your own. You won't be able to understand it on your own. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Some of you have heard Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? It's to guide us. It's to comfort us, it's to direct us, it's to illuminate God's word in our life. You can't read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that today? If you try to open up the Bible and read it like a textbook from school, it's not going to make sense to you. You're not going to understand what God is trying to tell you. So before you open up your Bible and before you begin to read, you need to say, Holy Spirit, illuminate my mind so that I understand what you're telling me. Let's trust in God. Let's have faith in God. And let's learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen. I ran out of time. I went over time. I'm so sorry. But I need to close this tonight. I need to tell you that everything that we're doing is to glorify Jesus. And where we're going, that Jesus is the only way. And we can't choose to do it our way, but we need to learn to follow God's ways. 
We need to learn to trust God. We need to learn to have faith. We need to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. And we can only do this and we only understand this because Jesus died on the cross for us. Because Jesus, who was sitting at the right hand of the Father, decided to come down to earth to be like you and to be like me. And today, I'm telling you to trust. I'm telling you to have faith. I'm telling you to depend on the Holy Spirit. But there is a step, and I talked about it in the very beginning, that you need to take first. And that is to come to Jesus and ask him to enter your heart. So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, as you're walking in your school, as you're at home with your family, with your friends, and if you've ever felt that there is something missing, there's a piece of you that's just not there, that sometimes you just don't feel whole, that you feel incomplete in some way no matter what you've tried. You've tried filling it with friends. You've tried filling it with girlfriends or boyfriends. You've tried filling it with, with things that you probably shouldn't be watching or things you probably shouldn't be listening to. You've tried it with drugs. You've tried it with whatever you've tried it with, but you still feel that void. You still feel that hole. You still feel like there's something missing. You don't feel at peace. You don't feel happy. You don't feel joy. You can't sleep. You can't eat sometimes. Can I tell you that what you're looking for today, his name is Jesus. And if you have not asked him to come into your heart, he's not going to force his way in. You need to ask him to come in. And so tonight I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm going to count to three. And on three, you're not going to think about it. You're going to shoot your hand up in the air so you can say, Jesus, come into my heart. And it's going to be the best decision you've ever made in your life. On the count of three, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, we're going to do it together. One, two, three. I see you, brother. I see you. I see you, brother. I love you, Lord. Listen, we're all going to stand up and we're going to say this prayer together. Because right now, that brother that said, I need Jesus... Can I tell you that the heavens are celebrating like a party you've never seen ever before? This is what we this is why we do what we do. It's to expand the kingdom of heaven. It's to make heaven greater and make hell smaller. So right now all together say Father. Say Jesus. I thank you for dying for me. I'm sorry that I've lived without you. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. But today, I ask that you come into my heart and that you be my Savior. And I promise that from today and forevermore, I will live for you. I will have trust in you. I will have faith in you. I will depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Give it up for the Lord. I love you guys. God bless you, brother.